Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I think January 2nd is going to be an awfully tight fit. This indictment dropped in August, August 1st, last week. Mm. And if you're going to start a trial in January, you're going to have to start jury selection in December. That's what DOJ says. Mm -hmm. You're giving the defense four and a half months. That is really a tight squeeze to go through what's going to be hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of pages of discovery to do their motions. They're going to have substantial motions here. I don't know how much success they're going to have, but they have the right to bring motions and to prep their defense. I think that's a tight fit. We'll see if the judge I think the judge is going to try to schedule this case for before the election. But I think January 2nd is optimistic for prosecutors. Well, we'll know soon. So here's what's going on here, talking about Trump, and there's a decision going to be made today that might be a reading the tea leaves moment. It's going to make this all very exciting. I'm reading from uh, the punditry in the wide world of news. Today's hearing is about the terms of the protective order over the evidence in the D.C. Jack Smith indictment, not about the trial date that they were just talking about, but that decision today comes a day after what was just referenced there when the prosecutors argued in a filing that the trial should start on January 2nd, 2024, two weeks before the Iowa caucuses. Yeah. The trial would start. Wow. And a schedule which would ensure the intersection between Donald Trump's legal trouble and the presidential campaign at a very high level changing it from parallel tracks to two massive asteroids banging into each other over and over again, writes Mark Halpern. The hearing today will give us the first live-action view of how the U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin plans to approach the two parties in the case. 
So the argument from the prosecutors was that the public has a right to a speedy trial. Trump's lawyers are going to argue the public doesn't have a right to a speedy trial. A defendant Mm -mm. has a right to a speedy trial. And if they say, I don't want a speedy trial, they get to say that. I think that's clearly true. You're shaking your head, so you agree with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, And not only that, but I think that January date, that was like an ask. That was just pinning the negotiation. Um, And with hundreds of thousands or millions of pages of stuff to go through, um, yeah, there's no way they can get that done that quickly. But I just think the judge doesn't want to set it in June and have it balloon from there. That's my guess. Uh, You may be right. I'll tell you, I have taken in a heck of a lot of legal punditry on this, and everybody's guessing it would seem. I mean, Hmm. people that have been in the Justice Department for years, there's so many different opinions out there. And they're all guessing. And that is an interesting thing about our judicial system. It is, it is not a, um, if, this, if, if, a plus, if A happens and B happens, C happens situation at all, it would seem to me. Because I've listened to so many former judges and prosecutors and lawyers from all different sides and everything like that. And they can all quote instances where these two things happened and this happened. Or these two things happened and that happened. It's just, hmm. there's, there's a lot of... First of all, everything's apples and oranges. There are, there are almost never any apples-to-apples situations when you're trying to compare, um, you know, the judge once did this to this. There's, mm-hmm. there's just so many nuances to it. And then every judge has a different view. And it's not because they were appointed by Obama or Trump or whatever. It's just, you know... If you've been following the Supreme Court over the years, you got nine people who all went to the same law school that can come to very, very different conclusions on things. Well said. Uh, Speaking of Trump's legal woes, uh, let's all play along at home. Guess how much he's spent on legal fees and related bills in the first six months of this year. First six months of this year, Trump has spent, what's your number? Go ahead and guess. $27 million dollars. So wow. far. Well, and that's just uh, what's the total going to be when he's got seven different trials going on in 2024? Right. So new financial reports show the former president's various political committees and the super PAC backing him have used roughly 30 cents of every dollar so far uh, this year on legal related costs. Uh, they're spending money more quickly than they're taking it in, which is very unusual at this point in the in a race. But obviously, it's not campaign contributions in the same way that most campaign contributions are. A lot of people who are giving the money understand that fighting off what they see as illegitimate charges is part of the campaign. So they're happy to keep donating. Um, but that, it's just it's it's a tough trajectory he's on financially speaking. I can't even imagine it. Well, there's, do you think the charges are legitimate or not? And then you have to ask, which charges are we talking about in which case? Because there are so many going on at the same time. But then there's the question of, do you think it's legitimate or not to try to force these trials into a presidential election with one of the two major candidates at the behest of the other candidate? I'm, I mean... I I honestly do not think people have, because most people aren't paying that much attention yet, and why would you? have not fully appreciated what it would mean if we're in January of next year 
and we're hearing all the punditry and the debates are going on and we're looking at the the polling in Iowa and they're just about to caucus and help to and Trump is sitting in a courtroom because the other candidate wants him there. Yeah, I the temptation to say, well, just, hey, uh, we're all equal under the law. We're not going to alter the justice system. You know, he'll stand trial, same schedule, blah, blah, blah. I, I think people saying that don't fully understand how even the perception of that sort of corruption and skullduggery would damage the the country and the system, the political system. Well, there's a fair amount of argument on this particular case, and this is the January 6th stuff. Why didn't you bring it much earlier? Why have you brought it now to where it has to be in the middle of the presidential election? January 6th was a long time ago. You had all this stuff a long time ago. Did you wait on purpose so you could inject this into a presidential election? Well, even if the answer is no, and that's kind of what I was driving at, it stinks so badly that the answer is yes, you're not going to be able to convince anybody. This is so not good for the country. January 6th of 2020. I don't know, checking my calendar, verifying it. It's mid-23 right now. And now you're talking about a trial date of two weeks before the Iowa caucuses in 2024. I'm sorry, I apologize. It was 2021, but still, it's two and a half years. So, yeah. And the trial date just happens to be 14 days before the Iowa caucuses. I mean, how are you supposed to... How are you supposed to get people to believe that that's not an attempt to bring down Trump? Especially given the phony baloney uh, Manhattan prosecution and, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's terrible. I, this is, I have a very bad feeling about the state of the nation in a year and a half post the election. I, I have a very bad feeling. Um, and, you know, I, I've i been critical of Donald Trump in a lot of ways. He did a lot of great stuff, a, a lot of really good stuff. And if he hadn't gotten elected in 2016, a lot of what the FBI did, a lot of what the Hillary Clinton campaign did, uh, a lot of the really corrupt things that happened never would have come to light. And so his getting elected was a positive in that way, too. Um, but... A lot of what he did in his first term was driven by grievance, legitimate grievance in a lot of cases, but I think it really threw him off the scent. And if he had legitimate grievances then, I mean, he's going to be like an angry monster at the close of all of this, whether it's deserved or not. I just, I have a very bad feeling. I'm having trouble picturing the outcome where everything's fine. Maybe I'll just put it like that. I was looking at the calendar that is set up currently for 2024, and Trump is either going to be in a courtroom or having to, I would assume, sign off. You know, even if he's not in a courtroom, I assume he's going to have to be meeting with various lawyers uh, to, you know, to sign off on decisions that are being made for some of the other cases and everything like that. I mean, that is really sapping a guy's ability to run for president, not to mention the money. Well, right, and the intersection of all those cases and their schedules and, you know, discovery and just it's it's going to be a, 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 it's not like an octopus. It's like eight octopuses all tangled up in each other and then trying to figure out the schedule. And I just I don't know. This is this is all very bad. 
Can we go back to 1980, please? Those were good times. Boy, was I thin. You know, really in good shape, tan young man, long hair. Uh, By the way, I stepped on the scale this morning, and as they used to say in the Hardy Boy books, I uttered an oath. Holy cow. What do you attribute that to? Eating like a state fair hog? (laughs) Mostly. (laughs) I just like the fact that I and other people can... uh, can you know eat more than normal and think somehow you're going to slip it by the scale it's just like it's not gonna catch it i've had a very good attitude lately about eating and drinking and exercise you know i've had a bad week but again great (laughs) attitude so right you think this scale is going to judge you on your intentions and not the actual calories you put into your body that's Ah! what i'm always expecting hey my intentions are really good i mean i really mean that I intend to, at some point very soon, start eating less. <laughs> but the scale does not judge intentions. <laughs> All right, so on a scale of 1 to 10 in terms of good eating decisions, including portions, let me describe the scenario that unfolded yesterday to you. Portions is a big part of it. A couple of good friends came by late in the afternoon for a scotch. And we sat around, we sipped scotch, and, and, and talked about all sorts of things. Upcoming golf trip, the state of the world, books. Well, it was a lovely gathering. That turned into a, a bit of a second scotch, as these things often do. <laughs> right. How one often of my do friends, they not? <laughs> one of my friends went off for dinner with his wife and, and some other friends. And then my other buddy, he and his wife and Judy and I went out for Mexican food. Me, a couple of pops in. At a really good Mexican place. Muchas gracias. And you said, I better just have a salad since I'm <laughs> watching my And week. no more than three or four of these delicious tortilla chips with fresh made salsa. Yeah, just a, I'm just going to have a just a little nibble or two. No, I ate like I was starving. <laughs> with the utterly inevitable result. But uh, you know what? I ate like I was starving. I was pretty hungry, but oh, no, 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 Joseph, no. (laughs) And it would all be funny, but my weight affects my blood pressure, so I can't let myself get fat. Sure. (laughs) Tur. So a little bit later on the hour, I came across a couple of really good shockingly conservative attitude-ish pieces of writing in the New York Times. But they're both astounding in different ways. Um, It's easier to just explain it to you than try to hint at it, but stay tuned. You're going to be gratified. A lot of the things you have been saying for years, we have been saying for years, people are waking up to. So stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. 
you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Much to discuss. Man, those fires in Hawaii suck if you're there. Oh. How about, yeah. the, how about the people running down streets and jumping in the ocean to avoid being burnt? Oh, I read uh, an account. It was actually, they were using Apple's emergency message because there's no cell service, but they were going back and forth with the emergency responders, these people who were in like a, a white minivan trying to get rescued, and they said they tried to make it to the ocean, but the heat drove them back inside their vehicle. Oh, and they ended up being okay on like, you know, 50-some, 60-some, God knows what the number's finally going to be, uh, folks who died. But just unimaginable. Nightmarish. Too bad. Uh, so this is, I'm very worried. I've been looking to see if there's an update on this. This story came out a couple of days ago. But the agreed-upon debate between Governor Gav Newsom of Cal Unicornia and uh, Ron DeSantis of Florida faced a planning strain when Newsom balked at numerous proposed changes to the debate made by DeSantis and called them a joke. A lot of my ideas face planning strains. Oh, so, and and I hate to admit this. Where Where is this from? No, this is from the California Globe. This is a conservative uh, website and a terrific one, too, if you follow California news at all. Um, I assumed this would happen just because I see the... As at a huge advantage for both of them, as opposed to, 
like, you know, Trump's not going to debate because what's in it for him? I think there's a lot in it for both of these guys. So I just assumed it was going to happen. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Maybe DeSantis isn't the bad guy. All right. Here's here's what we know. Under the debate terms outlined by Newsom in his letter to Fox News host Sean Hannity, the debate would only be between the two candidates with no audience aired live last for 90 minutes, be moderated by Hannity with neither candidate allowed to use notes during the debate. In I addition, don't get that I've never understood that you're not allowed to use notes. What the hell is that? It's I a think memorization it's stupid. test. Yeah, it's that's because, of course, as president, you don't get to use notes or have advisors or anything. That's it's it's idiotic. But so uh, score one against Newsom. The rest of it, though, uh, no audience aired live. Uh, in addition, each candidate would get a four minute opening uh, remark and have 90 seconds to respond to each question and initially rebut with an additional 30 seconds for each subsequent rebuttal. Final two minute closing remarks would be given uh, speaking order ter- determined by a coin flip. Um, DeSantis. Agreed to the debate in general. Um, oh, and, and there are some uh, preliminary sample questions out that are fantastic that we'll get to in a bit. But um, let's see. DeSantis agreed. However, he proposed several changes. According to the DeSantis camp, they want a live audience for the debate with audience members having a 50-50 split ideologically. That's How do you do that? dumb. I hate audiences for debates, as well as notes being loud for the debaters. He's right about that. DeSantis also wants no opening remarks and instead wants a two-minute-long video for each candidate approved by Fox News beforehand. A two-minute video? What? He also proposed several dates, etc. Um, uh, however, DeSantis changes enraged Newsom over the weekend with Newsom's pokes hole responding in a statement. What a joke. It's littered with crutches to hide his insecurity and ineptitude. All right. The video is a dopey idea, and the audience is a dopey idea. Well, what I wonder is, he is he throwing in things that he knows they won't agree to because he wants it to not happen? DeSantis? Yeah. Why would he do that? I don't know. Well, he's been unbelievably cautious this whole presidential run, and I don't understand. Oh, this is a golden opportunity for him. Don't blow I, it, Ron. I agree. If you miss an hour, get the podcast. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your 
perfect home sweet home. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 7 a.m. waking up in the morning. Gotta be fresh, gotta go downstairs. Gotta have my bowl, gotta have cereal. Seeing everything. Alright, guys, so I'm at Goodwill the other day and I see this really cool Star Wars book and I open it up. Guess what I found? Not money. I found a diploma, so I went on Instagram to find this guy, Jacob Calabrese, and he went to the school. So I said, hey, I got your diploma. He said, if you could send it with the thing, I'll memo you. Thank you. So I was like, cool. So I requested $69 as a joke. I thought it was hilarious. And then he actually sent it. So I got to actually put stuff in this package that's worth up to kind of $65. So I put a keychain. I put a figure. Hey, I hope you like chilies. Got your chilies gift card as well. And then I put it on a freaking box and I went down to the mailbox. And then three days later, he got it. And now we're best friends. Isn't that insane? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. There's so much to like in that clip. Isn't that insane? (laughs) The guy's style as a narrator is hilarious. I think he might be high. I... uh, I requested $69 because I thought that was hilarious. (laughs) But then he hits it off with this guy. They become buds. That's sweet. That's probably where my high school and or college diploma and kids' birth certificates and a variety of things are in between the pages of some book. I don't know. (laughs) A Star Wars book in some used bookstore. I hope not. So a couple of pieces of editorial writing have appeared in the New York Times, and I guess both of them today, uh, that are extraordinary in their way. Uh, the first one is entitled What We Lose to Shoplifting by Pamela Paul, um, whose work I'm not really familiar with. Um, and this uh, this piece is interesting because every word she writes is absolutely true. She's talking about the explosion of shoplifting in America's blue cities. And she mentions that, you know, in a drugstore, few shopping experiences are more intimate than a visit to the pharmacy. The contents of your basket may disclose waxy ears, hemorrhoids, insomnia, constipation, a messy rash. Need some magnum condoms. Yeah, right. A pimply, well, a pimply boy has to hail an employee to free his benzoyl peroxide. 14-year-old girl needs to be watched as she selects a tampon that suits her cycle, etc., etc. Even for adults, it's hard not to be self-conscious, etc. They're locking and, up my toothpaste. 
And she talks about the sad atmosphere of surveillance during one of her recent visits to San Francisco. Uh, you can imagine the, the rest. Everything's locked up. She says, I felt like an imposition on the pharmacy's meager staff. Uh, walking down the aisle, pressing a series of buttons. After a string of these requests, I left before securing everything I'd planned to buy. The whole experience felt bad. I was sorry for the shopkeeper, sorry for the employees, sorry for being there, sorry for not buying enough. Uh, no impulse purchases, obviously. <clears throat> oh, and right. Wow. Yeah. How, how much do they lose on that? Never even thought about that. You can't just grab some. Oh, I could use that. Nah, I got to go find somebody again and get the key. No, I'm not going to do that. Then she goes into the undeniable quality of life impact from the real or perceived increase in shoplift. It's not perceived, baby. It's real. It's felt by shoppers, store employees, security personnel, store owners, communities. It's a very well-written, very complete description of why we don't want more crime. And I read this and thought, you know, those of us who aren't New York Times editorial writers, uh, you don't need to explain to us why we don't want more crime because we already didn't want more crime yes you made a persuasive argument there in the newspaper for why crime is bad i was Having already laws and enforcing them hmm. i was already convinced yeah yeah but anyway you know i'm not here to mock the lady um everything she writes is correct in it and, and it's a pretty good laying out of the case against allowing rampant crime to ruin our communities. Yeah, I think she worked too hard. I mean, it doesn't need to be, I have embarrassing things in my cart. If I'm at the convenience store and I'm buying things I'm not embarrassed about at all, it's still not good to have people come in and steal from you. Yeah, it's interesting that she feels like she has to kind of build a case for something right. that is self-evident to right. most of the world. Isn't that we're, interesting? We're, yeah, we're giving away civilization. To that end, uh, Chris Rufo uh, tweeted this. This is a news account from Seattle. Um, let me click on this so it opens up. Multiple explosive devices likely connected to an ongoing drug turf war were the cause of multiple explosions and a massive fire in a homeless encampment outside Harborview Medical Center in Seattle. Uh, putting the hospital at risk as passersby reported debris impacting the building. According to the police report obtained by the Post Millennial, at the encampment located between I-5 and the hospital in downtown Seattle, I can picture it, the explosion was a targeted attack on a fentanyl tent where 20 customers were inside using drugs. Survivors told investigators that the former leader of the encampment, named Coconut, had recently been replaced and as a result had come back with a firearm and shot at both the old smoking tent and the new smoking tent and held the people outside the tents at gunpoint, robbing them of everything. According to court filings, Coconut is connected to drug trafficking operations in the area, as was described and was described in the report. Pacific Islander, Asian, male in his 50s, wearing cornrow-style braids, etc. It doesn't matter. He was identified as Michael Bonito Poasa and is associated with a short white female with tan skin with the alias Monkey, who has been identified as 39-year-old Michelle Desiree Alohosen. So my you have was Monkey. <clears throat> so you have Coconut and Monkey. Throwing IEDs into tents and shooting people over drug turf in Seattle in their junkie camp. And the rest of us are just supposed to say, well, housing costs are high. <laughs> 
we're giving yeah. away our civilization. The more I think about it, the more ridiculous it is that somebody penned a complicated article in the New York Times to argue why crime is bad. You had to get into, you know, often at the drugstore, you're buying things that are private. What are you talking about? You can't allow people to steal. Do you see how in San Francisco they had to shut down all the Walgreens? No, they don't have them. So people who live there can't even go to... Uh, can't even go to a drugstore. That's a problem enough, isn't it? Thanks for pointing out that the uh, employees don't like bumping up against criminals in the middle of committing crimes because it's dangerous and scary. But I knew that already. Oh, I didn't right. need you to tell me. That's hilarious. Well, what's what's hilarious and troubling is that the readers of the New York Times needed somebody to tell them. So much of our media, the people, everything is theoretical for them because they don't yes. live in the real world. So it's all theoretical. Yeah. And what's really interesting about that that point of view, that, that philosophy that so many of them have, is they believe in a weird set of rights, but not like the classic ones. They're more than happy to shut down your freedom of speech, for instance. So they're not big fans of rights, and they're outright hostile to responsibilities if a junkie wants to park in the camp poop you know shoot people uh, drop needles commit crimes over and over again rampant shoplifting mexican tar cartels see the profit they move in nobody can ever be asked to act like a responsible citizen because that's asking too much how dare we it's a weird Maybe that's the main difference between people of our philosophy and people of theirs. We believe in broad natural rights and non-negotiable responsibilities. We will give you oodles of freedom, but if you act the fool, if you break laws, you get punished. That's the deal. That's the bargain. And that's a wonderful bargain. I'll take it. I saw the video on one of the newses I watched yesterday of... A robbery in the Glendale area, some upscale oh. shopping that I've been to many times. The Glendale Mall is really nice, and then upscale shopping around there. And man, it was like a minute long, and all these people just showed up, ran in, robbed people blind, and took off. Thousands and thousands of dollars worth of merchandise without fear of any repercussion. Like I said, yeah, we'll give you freedom, but there are repercussions. And if you abuse the freedom and our jails are full, we will build more jails. That that doesn't trouble me. That's the bargain. But on the other side of the aisle, they're, they're emptying the jails and decriminalizing crime because too many people screwed up. It's wild. And, and, you know, the piece of writing I actually want to get to from David Brooks, why don't we take a break? We'll come back with that. It's called Hey America, Grow Up. And like most stuff David Brooks writes, it's really good until it gets really bad <laughs> and kind of dopey. Awesome. Uh, got all that on the way. It's just, uh, what day is today? I've lost track of the days with the COVID. Friday, Friday. Got to get down on Friday. Mm. The COVID doesn't have me feeling like it's Friday. Mm, it's a I shame. Think, I think I missed a dose of my Paxlovid last night. I may have. I'm not sure. I couldn't tell. I couldn't remember. And so I just... I didn't want to double up. So anyway, oh, maybe that's no. why I'm feeling worse today. Um, oh, boy. The, uh, you need the a minder. Variants. 
What? Would you like? Well, you need a minder. We need uh, yeah. to. Uh, anybody in the listening audience who would like to be Jack's minder, <laughs> text in. I'll send you his address, and you can just head right over. I'm, I'm sure there would be some volunteers that would be just treats to have in my home. <laughs> um, <laughs> more on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey, thanks for being here. We appreciate it. Hope you're well. Happy Friday, one and all. So David Brooks, opinion columnist in the New York Times, he's kind of their token moderate conservative guy, uh, along with one or two other people. Uh, he wrote a piece called Hey America, Grow Up that they published today that I thought was really good until it takes the inevitable... I'm a New York Times elite token conservative, but I've got to show up at the cocktail party tonight twist, you know, (laughs) but this is really good while it's good. If I were to ask to trace the decline of the American psyche, I suppose I'd go to a set of cultural changes that started directly after World War II and built over the next few decades when writers as diverse as any lists a bunch of different people noticed the emergence of what came to be known as the therapeutic culture. In earlier cultural epochs, many people derive their self-worth from their relationship with God or from their ability to be a winner in the commercial marketplace. But in a therapeutic culture, people's sense of self-worth depends on their subjective feelings about themselves. Do I feel good about myself? Do I like me? From the start, many writers noticed that this ethos often turned people into fragile narcissists. It cut them off from moral traditions and the normal sources of meaning and identity. It pushed them in on themselves, and made them self-absorbed, craving public affirmation so they could feel good about themselves. Uh, 1979 book, he cites the culture of narcissism. Uh, such people are plagued by an insecurity that can, quote, be overcome only by seeing his grandiose self reflected in the attentions of others. And they go into uh, the author, uh, Lash, continues, plagued by anxiety, depression, vague discontents, a sense of inner emptiness. The psychological man of the 20th century seeks neither individual self-aggrandizement nor spiritual transcendence, but peace of mind under conditions that increasingly militate against it. So that's kind of eggheaded and thoughtful, but this next part's easier to uh, to follow. Uh, And all this is transmogrified into a roaring epidemic of psychic pain. By, say, 2010, writes Brooks, it it began to be clear that we're in the middle of a mental health crisis with rising depression and suicide rates, an epidemic of homelessness and despair among the young. Social media became a place where people went begging for attention, validation and affirmation, even if they found rejection instead. I'd say over and over again, before long, safetyism was on the march. This Hmm. is the assumption that people are so fragile that they need to be protected from social harm. Slate magazine proclaimed 2013 the year of the trigger warning. Concepts like microaggression and safe spaces couldn't have lagged far behind. Oh, that reminds me. I was going to tease this segment by saying, guess what the word of the decade was, according to Vox, noting that this word appears in over 5,500 podcasts titles. Over 5,500 podcasts include this word in their title. Stay with us. Anyway, he writes, this was accompanied by what you might call the the explosion of trauma. Once the word trauma referred to brutal physical wounding one might endure in war through abuse. But use of the word spread so quickly it was applied across a range of upsetting experiences. 
Uh, a mega best-selling book about trauma, The Body Keeps the Score, became the defining cultural artifact of the era. Uh, Peril Segal wrote a perceptive piece, wrote a perceptive piece in the New Yorker called The Case Against the Trauma Plot, noting how many characters in novels, memoirs, and TV shows are trying to recover from psychological trauma from Ted Lasso on down. And then in January 22, Vox declared trauma had become the word of the decade. It's in over 5,500 podcast titles. Interesting. For many people, trauma became their source of identity. People began by defining themselves by the way they had been hurt. Boy, that rings true for a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. Then he writes, apparently every national phenomenon has to turn into a culture war, which is, that's a pretty wry and accurate observation. And that's what happened to the psychological crisis. In one camp, there were the coddlers. These were the people who squarely faced how much abuse, mistreatment, and pain there was in society. They sought to alter behavior and reform institutions so that no one would feel emotionally unsafe. The problem is the coddling approach turned out to be counterproductive. It was based on a series of false ideas that ended up hurting the people it was trying to help. Greg Lukianoff and Jonathan Haidt described the first bad idea in the coddling of the American mind. It was the notion that what doesn't kill you makes you weaker, inducing people to look at the wounds in their past and feel debilitated, not stronger. The second false idea was, I am a thing to whom things happen. The traumatized person is cast as a passive victim, unable to control his own life. He is defined by suffering and lack of agency. The third bad idea is, if I keep you safe, you will be strong. But overprotective parenting and overprotective school administration doesn't produce more resilient children. They produce less resilient ones. Boy, that's a good sentence. If I keep you safe, you will be strong. Wow. Yeah. Like I said, it's just terrific writing. And, and I salute David Brooks. But then, because he's with the New York Times, he has to say this. The counter-reaction to the coddlers came from what you might call the anti-fragile coalition. This was led by Jordan Peterson and thousands of his lesser imitators, <clears throat> from Senator Josh Hawley to an army of masculinist influencers. This coalition seemed at first like a bunch of rugged individualists telling the snowflakes of the world to toughen up and stop whining, but you didn't have to hang around this world long enough to see that they merely represented the flip side of the fragile mindset. The right-wing victimologists, he mentions Trump and and the rest of it. And here's my objection. I, I noticed he didn't mention any names on the other side. Right, other than a couple of authors. Yeah, well... And the other thing is, uh, your comments about Josh Hawley or Donald Trump are fine, but they don't, they're not me. They don't represent me, and they don't represent the millions and millions of people who think this way. We don't think this way because Josh Hawley or some Instagram influencer told us to. We think this way because we can observe human nature and we recognize it. And to, and to, to level the criticism at like our camp, me and you, that, well, some of those people get online, they claim they're the victims. Of, uh, and then he, he has another sentence about the, uh, the anti-folks that, that does the, the great fallacy of the modern times, that the New York Times, uh, it's some of the guys in the uh, National Review call it the Republicans pounce syndrome. The problem isn't the problem. The reaction is the focus of the article. Mm. And, dude, you have just eloquently, skillfully, and with great documentation laid out a terrible trend that's afflicting our society and ruining our young people. 
And then you say that the people who are fighting against it have something wrong with them or they're doing it wrong. Well, well, sorry, but don't don't look don't accuse me of punching the murderer one too many times when I was preventing the murder. But that's the obligatory New York Times sentence or two. I realize that I declare about four things per week the most important things going on in America or the world. Uh, But this actually might be. What's going on with our culture of victimhood or trauma, focusing on safetyism and all that might actually be more important than anything else because it drives everything else. I was just going to say, you're absolutely right. Think about your attitude as you go to work, as you approach your marriage on the golf course wherever you are how important is your attitude to everything you do incredibly so and we're teaching an attitude of defeatism and safetyism it's bad armstrong and getty okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com.